Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter, Beaver's Edge writer TJ Matthewson here on the Edge Podcast. We're back following Oregon State's 38-10 win over California to push the record to 7-3 overall on the season. Oregon State has two games remaining in the regular season, a matchup on the road with Arizona State this weekend. We'll obviously be getting into it before uh, the Oregon State-Oregon game. The following week, rivalry week, and a lot on the line potentially in that game as well. And then obviously the postseason. So happy to bring you all another edition of the podcast. Again, Brendan Slaughter joined by TJ Matthewson. Writer and KAGO radio extraordinaire. What's going on, man? How are you? I think you left one thing out with my title. What was that? One thing. Arizona State alum. Oh, yes. I suppose we have to give TJ his moment in the sun during this week this of the podcast. The, this is the TJ week. This yes. is the TJ week up here in Corvallis. And <laughs> really interesting of the team I cover versus the the, the school I went to. So, uh, you know, you don't have to ever worry about that, Brennan, with graduating from OSU, but I don't have that distinction, so I get to to balance it out, out a little bit. Of course, I am as objective as they come. They label me as the objective one, so we'll, we'll see. Well, there's a lot to dive into in Tempe. It's a, a very intriguing matchup, I think, and uh, really tough whenever a Northwest school goes down right. there to play. Always tough. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a great matchup, and obviously we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of it, the potential for it to be a trap game. Uh, you know, we've obviously uh, started our progress and research into Arizona State, as has the Beavers, and we'll be bringing you guys uh, more content at beaversedge.com in the coming days. Uh, obviously, closer look at Arizona State. We caught up with uh, Arizona State's rival side as well to get a little bit more insight on the Sun Devils, so make sure to keep it locked to Beavers Edge for all the latest, but TJ, let's start by talking about the win over Cal. Obviously, a massive win. Oregon State bounces back after the loss to Washington and, you know, likely the best way possible just in the sense that the team itself was, you know, firing on all cylinders. Jonathan Smith called it, you know, close to a complete game. You know, this was very famously the press conference this week when he didn't really state that there was a whole lot to fix and, you know, kind of improve upon. He was very pleased. And, you know, when, when looking at the overall result, I mean, there's a lot of stats to love about it. We talked about it in our stories, uh, whether it's the nine rushing yards for Cal, uh, Oregon State's defense holding Cal to really three points when you take away the the, the scoop and score fumble. Um, you know, obviously, you know, some things to nitpick, of course, as there is in, in every single uh, victory. But for the most part, TJ, exactly what you wanted to see from the Beavers following that Washington game that really seemed to like drain the life out of the team. And you would have never guessed that that Washington game happened. If you watched Saturday's game, I mean, it really was right. a snoozer. I mean, it's true. Uh, we're sitting next to each other in the press box. By the time the third quarter comes around, I'm just like, I mean, you can tell they're going to win the game. Right. So it's like your, your focus on the game really isn't as much. And, I don't know, just like overall looking at the game, I mean, even against a strong run defense, the Beavers still were able to run the ball really well with Damian Martinez. He got over right. 100 yards again. He's going to face a really crummy rush defense this <laughs> Saturday in Tempe. So he has a chance to go for, you know, I, I was joking on our post-game Colin show here at the station that he might go over 200 yards on yeah. Saturday. We'll have to see. They'll have to play the game. But I think a good opportunity for Damian to get a lot of yards on Saturday, especially with the injuries behind him. Deshaun Fenwick didn't play. Jam Griffin left with an injury. His status is unknown for Saturday right now. So on the Damian front, good. On the defensive front, you know, under 10 yards rushing, always impressive. And, you know, we hear a lot about Jaden Ott all week leading up to that. Right. Jaden Ott did nothing. He did absolutely nothing. He had no room to run. 
Um, the Cal offensive line couldn't block for him. Uh, Jack Plummer looked frustrated and confused all right. game. Led to Bill Musgrave getting fired on Sunday. Right. Um, right. So that's how good of a defensive performance Oregon State had. And then we get to Ben. I thought Ben was fine again. Right. Uh, what, 15 of 23 for 137 uh, and a couple of touchdowns. He was fine again. I'm still not like he he played a better second half than the first half. I thought. Right. Uh, I heard a lot more praise from other people praising his second half. I'm not quite sure if I'm at that point right. watching Ben hoping against the worst pass defense in the conference to see a little bit more, and it just I didn't see it. I didn't see right. it, and I uh, I'm it's uh, it's still his first season. He's still progressing, but I just. Don't know if that progression is there for for what I wanted what I wanted to see out of Ben. And you know, they still scored 38 points. Think about all that. Right. Still scored 38 points. So uh be all end all, not the end of the world. But that is something that is fine against a Cal. And maybe it'll be fine against an ASU this coming weekend. But if Bonix is healthy in two weeks, that's an issue, I think. So if that's right. the one nitpick I'm gonna have, and it's kind of unfair to to just nitpick one guy, but the quarterback's right. the most important position on the field. It is. And it just not, not seeing it, not seeing it yet. Not really. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, it, it's, it, I, I, uh, honestly really good points all the way around and, and a couple points I want to make, uh, uh, to your points, but kind of starting off, like you said, the, uh, the Oregon State defense, I thought this was one of their better games of the year. Again, if you take away that that scoop and score fumble, it's three points, right? And I think when you when you kind of consider that, you consider the the nine rushing yards, and you know, I, I think all that kind of considered really seems to kind of emphasize that that defense is incredibly tough to beat at home. You know, it took a, a, a last minute, you know, Caleb Williams. I shouldn't even say last minute, a fourth and fourteen or fourth and whatever it was push from uh you know push, Caleb push. yeah from Caleb Williams and the Trojans just to put themselves in a position to sneak that one out at Reese or otherwise the Beavers have been dynamite there so I think you know that that continues to be a great development especially going into the Oregon game um second thing you mentioned if Bo Nix is healthy I've heard that's the key if, word. yeah I have no if. I have no sources or anything but if is the key word. So I, if, I think yeah, we'll, and and we'll, they're not one to to leak out any information. No. Remember, Oregon did not no. name Bonix their starting quarterback until he trotted out in the first series against Georgia. Right, right. So yeah, I mean that obviously is going to be something uh, a, a like a, a tertiary storyline to keep an eye on this weekend. You know, if your Oregon State is whether or not he's able to go against you know Utah and so on, but. Enough on them. This is not about them. This is back to Oregon State. Uh, right. I, have to make, I have to make a little joke, TJ. Um, obviously, you mentioned uh, Bill Musgrave getting let go. Do you, do you think Bill Musgrave just said, all right, I'll just hang here in Oregon. My nephew's, you know, here on the team, you know, most of the family. He might have just not gone back to Berkeley, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know. You'd have to ask him. He, he's no. free now. He's got all the time in the world to answer your phone calls. <laughs> no, it was just, uh, it was too coincidental, you know, following, you know, all the connections that there were in that game with, you know, Cal, uh, you know, staff members and so on and so forth. So, Obviously, their shakeup definitely emphasized in that game how dominant Oregon State was on that side of the ball and, you know, kind of because Cal is at that point in their season. But to your points on Ben, I, I would definitely agree all the way around. I think we saw what Ben can do with a 
comfortable environment, no weather conditions, um, you know, um, other than being cold, of course, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a, a crowd that's behind him as opposed to, you know, some of the times where maybe, you know, Ben didn't look great. Like I'm thinking back to the Stanford game early this year when, you know, at times his pocket presence, you know, was left something to be desired. He obviously made the play at the end of the game. So kudos there. Um, and then, you know, against Washington, I thought he played better. Like he's progressively gotten better, TJ. The thing is, it's just not like huge, like one game to the next, this guy's making just leaps and bounds. It's little bits here and there. And while it can be frustrating, you know, you still have to, you know, look at the fact that, you know, his record as a starter, the fact that he has kind of game managed for lack of a better term, the offense to a few wins now. And, um, you know, I, I think it's fair to assume at this point, we probably won't see anybody else at quarterback this year. I'm not going to say yeah. for sure the bowl game could be a ways out, but you know, at this point, it's probably been or bust for lack of better terms. If, and, you know, I, I, I say that probably because who knows, Chance Nolan could return. Jonathan Smith did, got asked about it after Cal and didn't even rule it out. But at this point, I'm a little skeptical myself. Ben probably finishes the year out, I think. That, it's probably a good assumption. And and I just the, – the reason it comes to Ben is because – I hear we hear it so much on the Joe Beaver show during the week and, and on right. the Colin show after the game that the Beavers very much could be the best team in the Pac 12 if they had good quarterback play. I mean, that, I don't even know if that's a question. Like, they could be. They could be. There's. They could be, uh, they'd be the nine case, and one right now. There's a case if, to be made. If they, had good, if they had good quarterback play, they'd be nine and one right now with wins over USC and wins over Washington as well. But Probably. Because your quarterback let you down in both of those games, you're sitting here at seven and three. And I think that's just where a lot of the frustration comes from, that the roster is good enough to win a Pac-12 championship, but the quarterback position right. is not. And I don't even think that's really a bold exclamation. In a Pac-12 that is as good as it's been in probably a decade, the rankings right. came out yesterday, and there are six Pac-12 yeah. teams in the top 25. It, when was the last, like I think the last time that happened was 2016, Oof, and there's wow. more teams ranked in the yeah. Pac-12 than there are in the SEC. I mean, okay. I mean, the SEC is Georgia. But then after right. that, I mean, the Pac-12 has just this clump of schools right right there in the top 25 with all the best teams in the country. Right. And I think that's that that's a key point. And, you know, that that's going to be the biggest what if of this season, TJ, outside of what if Luke Musgrave stayed healthy and what if, you know, I guess you can kind of loop what if Chance Nolan was healthy into that kind of mix. And, you know, who knows if Chance Nolan would have provided the play ultimately that you're talking about because you know you think about it when chance nolan left i mean it was oregon state was technically still in that game with utah so you know you couldn't say that like your pac-12 title hopes were dashed then so i, I mm -hmm. think there'll be a lot of what ifs you know and, and and you know on that same margin you could have gone the other way tj and been like the injury happened what if ben wasn't good enough to shepherd you to as many wins or you didn't have a quarterback on the roster. I mean, what if Oregon State, like, uh, on the on the other side went, you know, two and three in those five games? Granted, I don't think the rest of the roster was going to let you down. But, you know, to an extent, I, I think Ben did as good as he probably could under the circumstances and his comfort level, current talent mm -hmm. level, current uh, awareness as being QB1. 
again, I think the still the, the kid has a ton of potential though, but he's young and he's mm-hmm. still kind of learning the ropes as were Chance, Chance Nolan, excuse me, has you know been playing since 2020. So very similarly to when Tristan Jebbia got hurt and Chance Th- Nolan was thrown into the mix in the 2020 season and you know Chance Nolan kind of had some up and down games to finish up that year and then you know into the next year obviously much different stories. So I think quarterback will probably be the biggest what if with this team, TJ. But I think when looking at that, you also have to look on the other side and go, how many other teams as backups would take them to the record that Ben has? Well, I, it probably depends on the team you're talking about. Cam Rising was the backup for Utah last year, and he almost won the Rose Bowl. Fair point. So, Fair point. I guess it, it, yeah. Charlie it's Brewer circumstantial. was the Circ- of Utah at the beginning of last year. People, right. I, people forget that. Yeah. Truly circumstantial. You're right. That, that's that's fair. But I, it's it. You know, it, it's it's definitely one of those things that I think we'll look back upon once the season's all said and done, and kind of you know nitpick it for now. Mm-hmm. But you know, in terms of what they have in front of them, and also putting a bow tie on that Cal game, TJ. You know. I think Oregon State played one of their better games. You know, it was it was the experiment, the performance, excuse me, that you would expect. But now the challenge becomes Arizona State and the final road game. And I'm sure, you know, you and I will talk about it, but outside of a few moments here and there, the Beavers are a far different team away from Reeser Stadium. And, you know, we saw moments of that in the Washington game, moments of that, you know, in the Stanford game, even though they won that game. Uh, moments of that, you know, at Fresno State. I mean, every every road game. So I think this is a big challenge and a huge opportunity for Oregon State to, you know, play well on the road and take one of their signature performances on the road against a team that, on paper at least, you should be able to have a lot of success with. I agree with Jonathan Smith earlier in the week when he called ASU dangerous. I think they are more dangerous than your typical you know, sub 500 team, because I, I do think Herm Edwards, you know, long gone RIP, um, did manage to stack <laughs> up, stack up some talent there. I don't think this is one right. of those talent devoid teams that's floundering. You know, I'm maybe, maybe looking slightly at some, some teams in the PAC 12 in recent years, but it's, you know, I, I don't think Arizona state's that. I just think it was kind of a mess and this mess of a season is, crescendoing into you know it ending and them ultimately and hiring a new coach a new staff all that they got two games left and who knows what to expect from Arizona State right yeah I I don't know the interim coaching staff has been has been fine I know the defensive coordinator Donnie Henderson was trying to endorse Sean Aguano for the head coaching position now it was announced uh last week which I'm sure they would have had a search firm hired for a while now that they have hired a search firm to hire their head coach. So they're they're right. thinking about that. And I would guess as soon as the Territorial Cup is over a week from Friday, uh, I believe that's when they play it. I think, it, I think it's Friday. Um, yeah. That they'll, they'll probably have a new coach probably by midweek the next week because, remember, signing day is in December, and they're going to yes. want a new coach in there by December. So that's, uh, that's something to think about. But to Arizona State, as you mentioned, not to avoid a talent, I mean, the Sun Devils, uh, when I was there at school, and even now when they're the roster is kind of devoid, we're gonna you know kind of list off some some guys that left their roster, but they're not, skill positions are never usually an issue right. for for the Sun Devils. Even in, in a down year this year, their running back X Valade has been one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, Very from Wyoming. 
wide receiver Elijah Badger is you know, a great athlete. Herm would always hype that guy up. Oh, we just got to get him in. We're, we're, we're waiting for that guy to get the opportunity. And this year, yeah. finally, he's got some consistent playing time. And he's been, you know, uh, he's a very talented wide receiver. Um, and then there, since uh, I'll bring up this point now, because I was going to bring it up anyway. So they switch play callers have about midway through the interim stint. Uh, Sean Aguano took over the play calling duties and they've been emphasizing the tight ends a little bit more. And a right. former four-star recruit tight end, Jalen Conyers, has really stepped in. He scored four touchdowns in three weeks since that. Yeah. Um, yep. And he's he, he's projected to be a pretty good pro prospect as a tight end. So again, the skill positions are good. They're, they're always very good at ASU, and it'd be curious to see uh, whatever the next coach would recruit as for that position. Um, so just uh, just a whole number of things. It, it, it is a bit of a mess of a coaching staff right. down there that'll sort of get fleshed out here in the next couple of weeks. But it, it's it, it's not like there's not talent remaining on the roster. A lot left, but right. there were some that stayed. Right. And, you know, just because it has some interest here, TJ, I think it's worth noting that, I mean, again, it's early, but what would you uh, – would you was, would you say uh, Oregon offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham, probably the leader in that clubhouse right now? Well, it just seems like – a. It just seems like the fit from everything they said. They said they want someone young. It said they they said they want someone probably offensive minded because that's how college football leans. Kenny yep. Dillingham graduated from ASU in 2012. He was an assistant coach there in 2014 and 2015. Previously, he had coached high school football in the Valley. I think from 2007. I didn't know this. He actually started coaching high school football when he was a senior in high school. Yeah, and then I coached that, yeah. throughout college as well. I did not realize that. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then he, you know, it just seems like a good fit. He's here on the West Coast, an ASU grad, someone that would you would hope be loyal to the program. Uh, so I, I would imagine he's going to be on their list. There's a whole bunch of other names. I wrote down. You want to hear some names I wrote down uh, sure. from all the other uh, the all, all the other suggestions? Uh, let's see. Arizona Republic suggested Tom Herman, Vance Joseph, Urban Meyer, Bob Stoops, uh, Dan Mullen. CBS Sports added uh, Matt Rule, Byron Leftwich, Todd Monken, uh, Hugh Freeze, Brian Harson, Deion Sanders, Mike Norvell, Justin Wilcox, Rick wow. Neuheisel. ESPN suggested Jonathan Smith for all the people who want to want to get a good chuckle at that. Yeah, no, um, that ain't happening. That ain't et cetera, happening. et cetera. There's just there's <laughs> there's a lot of options. Marcus Arroyo, Cliff Kingsbury, yeah. like the, it's got <laughs> thrown over, thrown over, <laughs> thrown around. Hey, you know, I mean, for what it's there. For what it's worth, TJ, uh, of all those names, you know, Cliff might be available at the end of the season, so you never know. Yeah, but I don't he, think well, ASU he got is... extended. Oh, he got okay. extended. Remember? Yeah, that might so, be tough. I don't think ASU would buy him out of that contract. No, but uh, it, all jokes aside, the only reason I brought it up is because I think it could stand to, um, you know, hurt Oregon a little bit, and you know, losing yeah, it could. what it I could. Think, what I think is a bright young offensive coordinator, uh, us, you know, or those. In as Corvallis, an alum, I, should... I think it, as an alum and not working a part of the search firm, I think it should be Kenny Dillingham, but I don't make the decisions. It is different than what ASU did last time. ASU did not hire a search firm when they hired Herm Edwards, as you could probably guess, Ray Anderson early in that 2017 season right. before he hired Todd Graham had already made up his mind that he was going to hire Herm from ESPN yeah. to be his next yeah. head coach. So a different, a different process this time. Yeah, definitely going to be interesting. But back to, uh, you know, wh- how it affects, you know, this game specifically this weekend, TJ. Where do you think mm-hmm. Arizona State's mindset is as far as, like, 
the bowl game is done for that. Like I, I, I kind of want to examine like their threat scale as far as, you know, being mm-hmm. able to put a scare into the Beavers because on paper, you look at it and, you know, you said you had some stats, obviously the rush yards allowed is the one that stands up and is big, but on paper, this is a game Oregon state should win. However, and, right. you know, the spread is eight right now. Uh, that's a pretty good spread for a team like Oregon state. That's on the rise still as a program on the road. And the Beavers haven't really, you know, necessarily proven to be road warriors. I should say they've gotten some wins, but you know, it's, it's still been an area they're trying to gain that consistency. So I'm kind of curious where you think their mindset might be in this one, TJ, as far as, you know, do they have anything left to play for when you know that the guy who's there, I mean, I think back to Oregon state situation in 2017 and got to preface this by saying there were some good dudes on that team, some good guys that I knew. Well, however, towards the end of the year, they packed it in and it was extremely Mm -hmm. packed in, uh, at Austin Stadium when they lost 69 to 10 and we're getting into, you know, brouhaha's on the sideline with each other and so on and so forth. So uh-huh. I, I know I, I know what it's like for, you know, or I've seen up close what it's like when a team with an interim coach, things aren't necessarily going well, shutting it down and just kind of packing it in, you know, packing the gear in and, you know, one, two, three, uh, Cancun, as they say. Um, but <laughs> as far as Arizona State specifically, TJ, the fact that they're three and seven and found a little bit more success under Sean Aguano compared to like, for instance, Oregon state did Oregon state didn't win a game under their interim coach. I feel like Sean Aguano maybe has the respect of Arizona state's players to keep them as a dangerous team entering this game with Oregon state. Do you, do you kind of get the same vibe? It's like you said, the talent is there. There's some skill position players. And if Oregon state doesn't bring what I'm going to say a B effort. And just for the record, I think it was like, you know, a, a, somewhere between a C, like a C against Stanford until the fourth quarter when they turned it on, you know, it, you know, this is a team that I feel like Oregon state needs to do the same thing they did against Cal TJ, like 21 zero before you even blink. Yeah. I mean, you, yes, because that's probably the, the, the difference in level these two teams would play if they were playing here at Reeser again, but it's a different animal and these guys exactly. are playing on the road. So it's going to be senior night, uh, senior day down there. And then there's yes, one more game off that, too. The territorial that tough. Too. Everything's out the window, especially because the two teams are pretty evenly matched, AKA two very awful defenses. So <laughs> that, that would be a, that'd be an entertaining matchup, but for, for senior night, again, I've, just not down there as much, but uh, um, it'll. I I I I wouldn't put it past them. I I wouldn't because, um. Oh, I remember what the point I was going to make. So when Herm was let go, there was this almost sigh of relief within the program that there would finally be some structure to the team because it didn't seem like there was much when Herm was there. To be honest, right when 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 uh everything was going down and there's all the, the NCAA infractions and uh, all the other news coming out that there wasn't as much structure and that there was sort of this relief when he got let go. Okay. We can operate like a football team. And while the win loss record hasn't represented it, I think the win loss record is more probably a little bit more of a representation of the amount of talent that left the roster in the off season I have 13 guys written down. I was talking to Mike Parker uh, on Monday, and he said he has 20. 
He, wow. he, he listed yeah. 20 guys that had left off the roster. That's yeah, a good chunk. And a lot of them were starters and a lot of yeah. them were playing very well elsewhere. Yeah, um, agreed. So, you know, it, I, I know the guys do like respect Iguano, but I, I, you know, to be honest, in terms of packing it in, <laughs> you're yeah. probably asking the wrong guy. I'm not sure. There's one thing I do know, Brendan, is that teams in the Pacific Northwest do not play well down in Tempe. I wrote down the the records by year of Pacific Northwest teams in Arizona. Doesn't matter the time of year, just period, playing right. in Tempe. Yeah. This year, 0-1, UW lost. That's the reason they're not in the playoff right now is because they lost to ASU down in Tempe, and they lost to Trenton Borgay, who I think is supposed to be healthy this week, yeah. uh, the quarterback for ASU, not Emory Jones. Wazoo was the only team to go down there last year. They beat ASU. And then in 2019, Washington State and Oregon State lost – or, or uh, Oregon lost down there. 2018, Oregon State lost down there. 2017, fifth-ranked UW and 24th-ranked Oregon lost down there. 2016, yeah. that was a bad ASU team. Wazoo went down there and won by five. 2015, lost to Oregon in three overtimes and beat UW. 2014, Washington State lost down there. 2013, UW and Oregon State yeah. went down there uh, and lost. And then 2012, uh, they uh, – Washington State won and no Oregon won and Washington State lost. So teams by I tallied it up four to eleven in the last ten years down in Tempe are the Pacific Northwest teams. Doesn't yeah, matter the I time think, of year. Doesn't matter the yeah. rankings. There are two. Yeah. That's two top six teams that lost down there. Very good teams that lost um, yeah. to probably worse ASU teams. So yeah. got to keep that in mind. And something well, taking, I'll be factoring into my prediction later. No doubt. Well, taking taking uh, that point and zeroing it down to Oregon state even more TJ Oregon state's won there once in 53 years. Yeah. Once that I didn't in, know until this week. That's pretty, that yeah. is a long time. Once in 53 years. So again, your stat adds even more context because now I know it's not just Oregon state, but when you think about that 2009 and you know, I was talking about it with Mike Parker this earlier this week too. And you know, that 2009, you know, game stands out. Oregon state played really well down there. You know, Dennis Erickson was still down there for Arizona State and, you know, hadn't had his – I'm trying to remember what that timeline was like, but wasn't a super great team that year, and Oregon State played well. Other no, than that, De- Dennis, Dennis didn't, didn't do quite as well at ASU as he did at Oregon State. No, definitely no uh, awesome BCS games and, you know, uh, uh, amazing, no. <laughs> you know, greatest greatest season ever for, for Jonathan – or for Jonathan Smith and company. But, you know, back to, you know, the, 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 the point itself, I think – I think it's going to be interesting, you know, as as far as how that all shakes out. Uh, and you also mentioned uh, the quarterback situation. Do you think we'll see a change at quarterback? Like, as far as Jones versus, uh, you said Borke? Is that his last name? Yeah, it's Borke. Uh, Borke, I mean, yeah. Trent Borke is healthy. I think he'll play. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's what that's everything I can observe from my uh, from my Twitter timeline. That yeah, he would, no, he would sure. probably be the one. Yeah, well, it's interesting because again, when catching up with you know Arizona State, uh, uh, the site earlier this this week, we were chit chatting and kind of talking about how you know it was it was um, uh, Borquet that played you know pretty well against Washington, and you know was you know a big part of the reason why um, they ended up winning that game. So you know that that's you mentioned that in your point as well tj and i think that's worth mentioning too just to kind of show um you know how impressive maybe sean aguano can have his team they beat washington tell me that win doesn't look all that more impressive in the last two weeks so i think that fact alone is going to give oregon state um you know a proper respect 
for Arizona State because they can simply look at their schedule and go, granted, it was, you know, a month ago, but still, mm-hmm. a month ago, this Arizona State team beat Washington, who just beat you, and then went into Austin Stadium and beat the Ducks. So I, I think a proper amount of respect for Arizona State definitely needs to be given. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, if Oregon State, you know, goes in there with that clear mind and state of state of mind, and then like you said, they don't read into the things that us media are talking about, like 53 years, one win. You know, that doesn't matter to this year's team or those records are mm-hmm. fun for us to talk about. But for the football players, they mean nothing. It, you know, every year is unique and different. And, you know, while those streaks do add up, you know, it's not like there's a curse or something along those lines. So it's definitely going to be interesting. It just shows that, like you said, maybe the focus factor isn't always there when you head down to sunny and warm Arizona when it's, uh, you know, as cold There's a and lot windy. of distractions down there. Yeah, yeah. TJ a lot knows of distractions stuff. down there. <laughs> but, um, uh, uh. The, line it's, the line itself, TJ, it's uh, minus eight for Oregon State. What do you think about that? And then kind of taking that a little bit further, you know, what are kind of your keys uh, uh, to this game uh, for Oregon State? And uh, ultimately, uh, tease your prediction a little bit. Well, the key for Oregon State is, A, going to be getting on track on offense. They need a fast start. They can't be a, a slow start on the road. I mean, they, right. they had a fast start against Washington, but they, they did you know, adjust throughout the game. And that really hurt them. And their offense went one-dimensional with Damian. Yep. And they got clogged up as the uh, as the game went along. So I, it's going to be Damian early and often. Arizona State really can't stop the run. Uh, their rushing defense is 99th nationally. They are yep. terrible in red zone defense. They allow a score 91% of the time. Their third down defense is near last in the whole country, Ooh. 49% yeah, on defense. Yep. So the opportunity is there to really extend drives and keep the ASU defense on the field for a long time. And then for your defense, I mean, you guys are like the best defense in the Pac-12. There's no reason for <laughs> a, a, a three and seven yep. team to 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 play well against you. I know they have good skill players and hey, maybe they might make a play right. or two score a touchdown here or there. But like if this is a game where ASU comes out with like X Valley and starts running all over the Beavers who who yeah. had uh you know allowed nine rushing yards to Cal this week, it's you know, that's a focus thing. That's a right. that's a discipline thing that they've shown they could do at home plenty often, but on the road, I mean it's kind of kind of hit or miss. Right. So, you know, it's on them. Like they have the talent to win this game. They're the better team. They have been the better team all season. I, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't win this game. I will probably pick Oregon State, but I'm not sure yet. I haven't made up my mind. <laughs> yeah, TJ's got that perfect uh, prediction record on the line for those of you who have uh, been yeah. uh, uh, staying close with Beaver's Edge and reading our staff predictions each week, which for first of all, if you're not, why aren't you reading our staff predictions every week? Why aren't you at Beaver's Edge all the time? It's a place to be if you're a Beaver fan. And not to mention TJ writes some awesome predictions as with Dylan and myself. But I'm curious – TJ, for you, um, kind of going into this game, like, you know, w- uh, of all those things that you mentioned, what do you think is the most important? Because I've got a couple keys myself, but what do you think kind of stands above the rest? For offense or defense? Uh, let's do one for both. Uh, on offense, I, I keep saying I want to see Ben just, like, light it up. Agreed. Uh, but that's probably Agreed. a little bit too much to ask for. So, I mean, number one is Damian in the run game and the offensive line really establishing self. My 
not to be the healthiest group. There might be a couple backups in there starting on the line this week with the with the injuries to to Tali and to uh, and to Bloomfield as well. I think yep. is the other one who's hurt. Yep. yep. Um, so you know it would be you know establishing a good line of scrimmage. Then on defense, I mean, don't let the quarterbacks beat you. They've been kind of underwhelming all season. Um, yeah. And you know, again, Elijah Badger is a really good athlete. Tight end Jalen Conyers very really broken out since the Aguanos taken over the play calling. Exalities right. a very talented skill player, but I, I just wouldn't want to let any you know one guy on the outside or or the quarterback beat you. I mean, that's kind of general, but. You know, Arizona State's not really a team that does a whole lot extremely well. I mean, their passing offense is 44th. The rushing offense is 90th. Not necessarily efficient throwing down the field. Um, so it's just like, not sure if there's one area really to certainly right. stop. More is to just not let one guy really just go off and kill you all game. Right. No, I think those are two really good points. And, you know, kind of to piggyback off that myself, I think, I think the biggest thing for me is is kind of starting fast, and I think that can go on both sides. Because like you said, I think whether they kick the ball to Arizona State first or get the ball offensively first, whether that's getting an initial three and out and, like, stopping a couple runs, incomplete pass, something like that to get Arizona State off the field in, like, three, maybe six plays or whatever it is to where they're, like, you know, kind of already down after getting the ball a little bit kind of deflated. And then offensively, the quicker you can start and build up a lead, we've seen that's been the key to success for Oregon State and their wins this year. Um, and then uh, secondly, on both sides as well, you have to overcome injuries. And TJ, we didn't get a chance to uh, to run through the report, so I'm going to go ahead and do that real quick just to kind of set the stage. So the good news from the Cal game, which Oregon State had a lot of guys out, is that no one suffered a season-ending injury. But kind of the the other side of that coin is that there's a lot of guys that are questionable and knowing how we've seen the Beavers approach injuries, probably a lot of guys that don't see action this weekend. No one's been ruled out. I want to preface by saying that. But this last weekend, Deshaun Fenwick, he was out. He was questionable this uh, for this week. Uh, Jam Griffin, as you mentioned, obviously uh, left the Cal game with an injury. He's questionable for this week. Um, John McCartan, questionable for this week. Jack Coletto uh, suffered an injury against Cal. He's questionable. Definitely good news for Oregon State that he didn't suffer a season-ending injury because he's, you know, such a key to everything that you do. And we didn't get enough time in the podcast to really kind of zone in on Jack Coletto's impact. But I think that could be a huge factor in this game, TJ, because you think about how how most of Oregon State's sh- short yardage Coletto packages – essentially have to be thrown out if he's not there because you don't have another Jack Coletto. And I know we said that earlier this year, but just because you don't have Luke Musgrave, you don't throw away every other tight end route for Jack Coletto. That's maybe the unique aspect of what he does. You don't really have yep. someone else practicing those sequences, those things. So that'll definitely be a key for me as well. You mentioned uh Hanelli Bloomfield and Tully Skawaga. I'd look for, um, uh, Tyler Morano and probably uh, Tanner Miller to fill in there. They did this last weekend. And then uh, finally, uh, wrapping up with uh, Alex Austin, Jaden Grant, a couple big-time playmakers in the secondary, both left the game against Cal, like Jonathan Smith said, on Monday, questionable. So with all those injuries, TJ, it's going to be a lot for Oregon State to overcome, but potentially opportunities for some young guys and some of the depth uh, to show out. I know particularly uh, to kind of wrap this up, Blue Adams talked to you guys about the depth in the secondary uh, on Wednesday, and mm-hmm. you know he feels feels good about it. 
Yeah, they're really like what they saw. I think Skylar Thomas, Achille Arnold got in there. Very good. Uh, uh, Ryan Cooper slid over and played outside. So that you know, those are guys they're confident in. They 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 see it every day in practice. And guys, they they have extreme confidence in. So I don't know if they perform up to the same level, and it right. would make you, uh, and it it would make you more nervous if you're going down of there course. playing a bunch of backups. Right. Um, who you don't trust out there um, in a stadium that you haven't won at one at one time in 53 years. And that yeah. teams in the Pacific Northwest really struggling. And, yeah. you know, are they focused? Are they ready? You know, are you um, looking to- forward to Oregon? I mean, these are all valid questions. Right. And again, as TJ mentioned, distractions down there in the, down there in the sun and the fun. A lot of distractions. And, like um, yep. speak from experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lots of distractions for sure. And then, like you said, I think it's, you know, I I think it's natural because, you know, I think it's just human instinct to potentially look ahead. You know, you know, maybe there are some guys who are more in the in the here and now than maybe others. And, you know, I'm not speaking for anybody, but yeah, of course, it's human nature. You're looking ahead to the the Oregon game next week. And, you know, I I think that's all going to have to be something that Oregon State kind of pushes to the side because it is an important game. The opportunity to get eight regular season wins going into, you know, the, uh, the, the matchup with Oregon, I think is, is huge. It's something that hasn't been done at this program in a many, many years. And, you know, Oregon state can't lose sight of that as they're trying to finish up this season. So I think it's going to be a really good game. You know, obviously make sure to uh, tune in to uh, beaversedge.com for the predictions. I'm leaning Oregon state right now as well. I think the Beavers uh, will ultimately prevail, but I think it's going to be a lot tougher than those uh, know. And I think that's why Vegas, you know, Vegas TJ mentioned to me last week, you know, Vegas doesn't seem to be wrong very often. And he's right because the spreads eight, I think that's right about where this game will end up. So again, make sure to tune back to beaversedge.com for TJ's prediction. Again, you got to put an undefeated streak on the line. Going to be exciting to read his and also uh, all the rest of our content. We'll have uh, a closer look at Arizona State, our inside piece uh, with the Arizona State publisher over at their rival site, uh, and a whole bunch more content as well. So make sure to keep it locked to beaversedge.com. We'll be bringing you more coverage all the way through the uh leading you up to the Arizona State game and then the post-game coverage and preparing you for the Oregon game next week. TJ and I'll be back next week, preview the matchup against the Ducks at Research Stadium to close out the 2022 season. Thanks again for watching the Edge Podcast.